2: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
3: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And been a couple of days since uh, Mike's been on the pod. He's been accompanying the Lakers on a stinky road trip. Mike, tell us your view of said stinky road trip.
4: Well, stinky does kind of sum it up, Pete. If, if you're looking for a word, yeah, I I listened to the pod, long-time listener, uh, the other day, and, and I think you guys hit on a lot of the themes basketball-wise from the perspective of just being around the team. Though there, it's not, it hasn't been a great energy, and I think that they found some of that energy for the Miami game, uh, and and then AD, of course has the hip spasm as it was called in the second quarter and they still battled but then so coming into the next game in Houston especially with no AD there there they just felt it was a little bit of that collective malaise is too strong of a word but I saw this some in the previous couple of seasons when it, it just didn't look like the group on the floor had that mix of confidence or connectivity or mm-hmm. whatever it was, you know, that the opponent had. And that was evident throughout the entire game. And so afterwards, after a game like that, you hear a lot of questions, including from me about, you know, energy. And I think the, the purpose of that is you've seen or we've seen so many games in the NBA where even if the team does have inferior talent, um, it can still win. Because there's still enough talent. And you talked about that specifically with the offense and just how that starting group should still be able to score and they should still be able to do some things. And the defense should still be able to limit the other team in certain ways. And to have that be the case, not just in Houston, but in the Orlando game, um, even when Anthony Davis was playing and playing well and you know blocking seven shots and grabbing every rebound and still scoring and and just not have enough guys really on that same page or kind of rowing in the same direction, I think is a little bit surprising, uh, even with the injuries that are there and a little bit frustrating relative to a team that went to the Western conference finals. And just to add to that bouncing around the league and watching a lot of teams on league pass, there's a lot of teams playing really well and playing really hard. And so I, I just think that there's a, this is a, It's early in the season to have this type of feeling, but there's a things have to change, as you guys alluded to, um, for this not to go in the wrong direction a little bit more quickly, um, I think, than maybe is even realized within the team itself. So uh, that probably sounds a little bit dire, but it's just trying to give some context to, you know, being three and five in 12th place going into the the first in-season tournament game, which I am excited about. Um, yeah, we'll and, talk about that later. Yeah. And then even with the schedule being a little bit on the softer side, it looks soft, but the teams at the bottom of the conference uh, right now are still, you know, competitive teams uh, that have real players. And, and it's just a, there's, there's a lot to dig into. So that's the, that's kind of the preamble. And I'm sure we'll peel some layers off, uh, but yeah, it it has not been the best road trip. And I think stinky is a good way to define it so far, Darius.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily get the sense that what you're saying is too dire. The team's playing bad. It's interesting, Pete, because when a team comes into a season with expectations like this team did, and then there are legitimate things that throw them off those expectations, like mm-hmm. the injuries and the number of games that the team has already lost to injury. They've played eight games as a team and they've already lost 28 player games to injury. Now, part of that is like Jalen Hachifino hasn't played at all, right? And so sure. he wouldn't have been in the rotation, but Vando missing every game, Rui missing as many games as he has, Prince missing the, the game set that he has, Gabe. It's just a lot of guys that have been out and now AD has missed a game as well. And it's like, I think it's easy to sort of fall back on that. And I don't think the, the players or the head coach are necessarily doing that all of the way. But there is a sense of, well, we haven't had our guys. And how concerned are either of you about that idea sort of permeating the team? And it's just like, well, we can't fix it yet because – We've got these other factors that are limiting us. And is that a concern to either of you? I want to jump in real quick
4: because I think it's a it's an important distinction uh, that Darius is trying to draw between a team that's that's injured going into a game. It doesn't have guys. and doesn't have the type of rotation that they want to have. And a team that doesn't have enough players to put forth a competitive product uh, where they're going to give the opponent a game based on you know who's going to be available going into that contest. Like, no Vincent, no Vanderbilt. AD, of course, is his own thing, and he is such a dominant player. that That is tough, but there are plenty of teams in the NBA without their best player um, that still kind of managed to row in one direction. In fact, we saw it last year when AD and LeBron went out, um, you know, when they were able to still compete. So that that's just that the distinction between, like, I'm always trying to, to – start off the pregame show on Spectrum with like, well, hey, these guys are hurt today. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to change things. But I I think that has to be separate from the level of competition.
3: Yeah, I think the space in the middle is like, okay, what can you do? What can the group that is available tonight, what can they do? And that's why last, uh, yesterday's pod was focused on the offense, was there's a certain amount of understanding that, yeah, when you have that many guys out defensively, there were going to be certain things around the rim that just like, it is what it is. We were below that Mendoza line we keep talking about where... Where I think our cutoff line is I think we can be without one forward and one center and be fine. Um if I think if we we're without like two forwards or two centers or three plus front court guys, I think we dip below that Mendoza line. So just to set kind of an objective bar for that. But that's what but going into the game, again, the offense, it's like, hey, we've got some good offensive players that that to me is important. D in the context of your question of like, how concerned are you with the idea of like, oh, well, it's, you know, when we get our guys back for one, you're not in control of that. So it's something that if you, if you go about your business, that way you can be kind of tossed around by the winds of, of fate, you know, and the things that we do have control over, we're not doing those things well either. And so yes. that to me is – it's such a long season and as as you pointed out when we were talking the other day, Darwin's on a streak of ah, it's only game three, it's only game six, it's only game eight, right? Um, that That's totally true. We have plenty of time to turn it around and please – and let last year be a shining example of how – Quickly and how uh, severely things can turn around, right? Obviously a trade deadline and there were, you know, events that, um, that were very, you know, there were, there were events that were very clear cut, but a, a season, like it's a long season. And that is true. But I think that the more you depend on that type of thinking on a a future, on an idealized future where it's like, oh, when things do start going right for us, it's going to be better. That stretch D where we turned things around last year, LeBron missed 15 games. Would have been very easy to be like, ah, we lost this game tonight because LeBron didn't play, right? But we won a lot of those games.
2: Last season's team showed a ton of resiliency all year. Mm -hmm. And so – It felt like it was in their nature to compete it that way, even if some of the resiliency from even a player like Russ, who was just like Mm -hmm. there was a certain amount of like, I'm going to go get it and Pat Bev and like a lot of the guys, the guys who were playing towards the end of the season weren't necessarily the guys who were playing in the first 25 or 30 or even 40 games. Mm-hmm. right who showed a lot of that resiliency but it was just inherent within the team and a lot of that was LeBron and AD both of them as singular elite talents being like I got you when the other one was out right and so it wasn't a surprise to me that when there was much better alignment with the roster and the skill sets fitting that they were able to to put some things together mm-hmm. I'm re- Mike I'm reminded of the Famous Shawshank phrase that Andy tells Red, and one of their last scenes together when they're both in prison, where Andy's telling Red, like, get busy living or get busy dying. And mm-hmm. the Lakers, that idea of, in Frank's Frank Vogel's last season it was like oh well wait till they get Trevor Ariza back and wait till they get their forwards and it's and it's just like that's the get busy dying attitude of things which Mm -hmm. is just like we can't fix this ourselves and and that was sort of like me trying to lead the witness there with my question a little bit Mm -hmm. is like and, and Pete you you spoke to this some is that the things some certain things are out of your control. Today marks the 2 week mark of when Jared Vanderbilt is supposed to get reevaluated, right? Like I looked at the calendar last night. I I had a restless night and it was exactly 2 weeks ago that the report said like he will be reevaluated in 2 weeks. So, in theory, we should be getting some news on Vanderbilt soon. But if we continue as like outsiders And if the Lakers continue as like internal people, the people who are actually in control and have to go on the court and play and be in the film room and coach and practice and and all of that, if they're the ones that are looking towards those external things like injuries to break their way and for guys to return, I think they're in the danger zone more than even what a three and five record through eight games Mm. and injuries would even imply because this team needs to reset itself On a certain level, and it's the guys who are available who need to do it. So let's go to to break here, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about all of this stuff.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
4: A tricky part to understand, to touch on what Darius just was getting into. Well, they have LeBron James and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell um, still have been starting and, and out there with him. And LeBron and Reeves and Russell like should know how to play together um, after the run that they had last year. And that it just didn't look like that in the Houston game specifically, where you had LeBron kind of playing. And trying to initiate certain actions that I think that he knew could work against the way that Houston was working. And then you had Christian Wood being, you know, very unsure about, well, if I cut here, is that going to cut it? Is that going to go into the lane that LeBron might mm-hmm. want to drive into? And it, it, Peter's just like trying to square that with what the offense is, I think has been something that, you know, isn't necessarily figured out yet.
3: Very much so, and I think the fact that they we've seen these same players be productive before is really helpful in these type of circumstances. In that it's like, hey, we know that it's these guys are capable. And again, strictly focusing on the offensive end because I think that the lack of size that we've had recently is so deleterious to the, the defensive end. But on offense, like in in particular, like that to me, I, I think is super helpful uh, in informing where we go from here. D right and. We've talked about, you know, yesterday and talked about five out and all the things surrounding that. But the fact that we've seen these guys be good before on an an end of the court where they can't get crap done right now, I think is kind of speaks to your point of that, like the guys that we do have that we've seen be good before. Right. We have what we need to be on the track of being competitive rather than being down 10 plus at the end of every first quarter. You know,
2: LeBron's going to be good in any system. Like yes. he's going to get his numbers. He hasn't scored under double digit points I think ever. <laughs> like the streak is so long it's comical at this point. Um just so you know like AD had been rolling but he scored 9 points in the last game that he played. It's that easy to not score in double digits, but LeBron always gets there and it's just because even if there was like, oh, it's close. It's the fourth quarter. And LeBron, like, he could easily it,
3: just go and get two points. In the game that uh that Solomon Hill rolled up on his ankle, he had seven points, and they, you know, it happens. They call yes. a timeout, he's hurting or whatnot. He comes out and he drills he drills a corner three like it's nothing. It's like a one-legged corner three. <laughs> And then he goes out of the game soon thereafter. So to speak to your point, it's like he's like, "I know I got a hundreds of game type of streak, and I know I'm probably going to have to go out of this game because my ankle freaking hurts. Let me knock down this three real quick. So yes, a guy like LeBron is always going to get his numbers.
2: He is, and I think that it's somewhat similar for A. D., although he is more he is more reliant on environment than like other players who are of his talent level. Right? Yes. That said. The rest of the Lakers, I feel like, do need a certain amount of like organization and scheme and things to play to their strengths a little bit. And this is where that idea of what you're talking about of like, we've seen these guys be productive before, why can't they be productive now? And that's a real open question that I think needs to be answered and switched up to well, find the
3: solutions. All of the role players, if we consider everybody who's not LeBron and AD to be a role player on some level, All of the role players are struggling at once. That to me is a big sign about uh, systemic Issue, right? It's about something bigger. It's like part of my job, you know, working for the Lakers marketing department is like, hey, we want to give some shine to the guys who are playing well. And that's a difficult job right now because it's like, hmm, who do we make a video on that people are like, yeah, that guy's hooping right now. It's not anybody. And aside from the I mean, Rui had a good game, but before that, Rui had been rough yeah, to start I mean, the season, I mean, right?
4: Literally from last from last game. That that's it. Rui's the yes, the one, the one guy. guy. <laughs> so <laughs> when it's
3: everybody, Mike, that to me sits off some some alarm bells.
4: Uh, yeah, <laughs> that we're, we're all aligned right on on the way that it's going. And in finding, I guess the usually the solutions can come in one of two ways. And I think like Darwin's solution after the game was trying to, to preach that, hey, still believe in you guys, almost like still talking to the team. Like, I know there's enough talent in here. We just got to kind of get on the same page and play harder. There's there's that part of it. Mm. And then What you don't know is that if, so he might be saying that and then going in to the coaches meeting and be like, guys, this is not good enough. Like we, Mm, you know, mm -hmm, so the message mm -hmm. from him isn't always a head coach. Sometimes I think has to put a certain face on things and Darwin is very careful not to call players out. Um, That is not the way that he does things. He does not criticize individual players, even when there's something obviously wrong about what's going on. So Maybe after the game, he and his coaches got back to the hotel and we're like, all right, this can't this isn't going to cut it. We're going to run this, this and this. And so I am curious to see if if it's if it's a different look uh, that we get against the Suns on Friday. Um, And then if it's not, you know, then that's another that's a different discussion, because what we did see we have seen on this trip so far, Orlando, not competitive, Miami, competitive, Houston, not competitive. And the offense and the things that they were running didn't necessarily change or evolve in that time. The level of competition did. But I think now what I'm getting from you two especially is that the what is what is happening or what is trying to be accomplished on the offensive end specifically is not working. Uh, And that's been clear. I've been asking questions about the starting lineup, uh, for example, and because of the first quarter, the historically bad first quarter Starts that the Lakers have had throughout the season. Universally, it's been bad. And some of those answers with the injuries have not been there, but it's starting to get to that point. and we talk a lot about ten game sample sizes, and well, they're right there. You know, they're right there getting up to this ten game sample. And it's got to be changed up if things are are not going to have these same results. As I mentioned again, watching a lot of these teams play. And that includes a Phoenix team. That is not going to have Devin Booker, but does have Bradley Beal back, who the Lakers haven't seen in the two times they played against them, and that one player to me does make the type of difference uh, in in terms of how you can play against them, and
2: that that's going to be to me uh, a problem area for the Lakers tonight. I mean, to me, Pete, so much of this is still about like process. There are process questions. Like I was talking to you off, offline a little bit over the last few like like few days, and to me. I think it's appropriate to ask questions about effort and energy and how the team is responding in some of these games, that level of competitiveness that Mike was speaking to. But I go back to part of the conversation we were having on the pod yesterday and even earlier today before we were recording that to me, there's also a correlation between like, is what you're doing successful? And if it's not, how hard do you continue to try? Within the context of what you're being asked to do, and we talked about this within the context of those uh, JJ Reddit comments that he made on his pod the other day—that NBA players are smart—and if they see that the results aren't necessarily there, your buy-in and like want to execute it becomes self-fulfilling diminishes. prophecy,
3: right? Where yes. it's like the 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 commitment to it is so low that whatever, whatever scheme you're running, isn't going to actually work uh, just because the players are checked out and basketball is such a coordinated sport that even just a little bit of what you're talking about can, can show up on the court, especially again, in a season that's 82 games long. Right. And, uh, and where you have plenty of times to, to course correct and all of that. But I think the earlier that you do that, the better place you find yourself at the end of the season, you know?
4: Well, this is the other heart, the other part that I've been, trying to convey, if not super explicitly, but on a trip like this early in the season, this can be a time where you get that first level of bonding and you get mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. level of guys of all spending time together and on the plane and on the bus. And, and it has been a long trip because we've had an extra day in every city. And when that happens, that means guys can go out to dinners. They can uh, they can do whatever they can do, different team team things. And you, you don't get that sense watching them play. That things are coming together mm-hmm. uh, in that way. How much of that's because of the injuries, et cetera? I'm already sick uh, of using the injuries um, as something. So if if the team isn't gelling in this context, along these lines, these kind of these are two parallel thoughts. But there are times when a team is getting their butt kicked on the court where at least a guy or two is like, "No, this is this is not." I'm not into this. And there were a couple of competitive players. Like we talk about Dennis Schroeder to an extent last year. And Dennis was one of those guys that would get pretty chippy, mm-hmm. um, in, in a game like that. And I didn't feel a ton of that going on in the Houston game specifically. And when you look around the locker room and you're thinking of personalities that, you know, this is, it's more of a reserved room, uh, than, than in other teams that I've been around, certainly, and that I think can be really good when everybody's knows what they're doing and and is playing certain specific roles. And you have LeBron certainly in AD as like the leaders and Hey, this is how we're going to do these things. But when that chain gets broken, even a little bit, whether again by injury or whatever it might be, then that, that becomes, uh, then you get games like you got in Houston. And I think that even if some guys, some of the new guys that might think, that might really want to assert themselves that way. It's very difficult to do that when LeBron is there, uh, and and kind of feel like you can step into whatever kind of position. Uh, whereas, like what somebody like Dennis last year had had already had enough experience with LeBron, where mm-hmm. he felt like you know, no, no, no I, I'm not going to offend anybody if I if I say, hey, like this is let's do this now. And that's just another element I think that's been lacking so far this season.
3: All right, let's take a one more break, and when we come back, we're going to shift gears and talk about tonight is the first in-season tournament game for the Lakers so Mike first uh, home game for us on the in-season tournament is on Tuesday, but this is the first one overall. Uh, I know you're a big IST fan uh, we've had That's the right, the new courts. what have you thought of it so far? It was great. It was great. It
4: was even I as a in-season tournament optimist and enthusiast going in truther i thought mike's a truther
3: propagandist perhaps even
4: yeah you guys
3: are trying to
4: have this (laughs) position now especially pete uh but i think you're kind of reluctantly since you don't love to come off your points all the time uh just going to be like all Actually, of my, Mike Trudell
3: telling tell tell me he don't like to come off of points. <laughs> we're we're all you, I, that I, Spider Man me between Spider Man yeah, me. We're that to- us, yes total Spider Man me
0: moment. One
4: percent more willing to come off points than you are, Pete. Uh, I uh, but that, that seems let's 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 debate who's let's do this let's debate right now who's less. Willing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I uh, I am happy. Here's here's what I'll say about myself. I won't speak for you. I am very happy to come off a point um, if proven that I should. Uh, And and in fact, we'll enjoy will enjoy doing so. Um, And and I I think that you can you are the same way. Um, So that's the difference between us and at least some people who are uh, who like to think that they like their own thoughts. Okay, (laughs) the the in-season tournament of the seven games in the, the first day, five of them were within five points. And I think three of them were within two points. All super competitive there's been a lot of focus on the courts, which I find mostly to be a dumb level of focus. Like I like the courts, but it that wasn't the part of the, of the watching the basketball that, that I thought was like the biggest talking point. I think that's the one where if you didn't really watch the games, but you want to talk about the in-season tournament, you talk about the courts first uh, because they were loud and exciting. And there's some level of that from the NBA standpoint that I think isn't the worst thing because Mm -hmm. at least then people are talking about it. Uh, Same thing with the jerseys to some extent, but the, The whole point of that is to signify to the fans to an extent, but mostly to the players that this is something a little bit different and like get into this. And I think the first time that I got a real swag bag was when I made the varsity team uh, my freshman year in soccer. And all of a sudden, so the head coach comes into it was my gym class of all things, because it was close to where like the head coach's office was. And in the middle of gym class, he comes out with this big box and just hands it to me in front of like the rest of the gym students. And in it, it had, you know, three jerseys and six pairs of socks and four pairs of shorts and like a warm up jacket and all this gear with, with like my number on it. And I, that was like at that point, maybe the best <laughs> feeling of my life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and it's awesome. just, it's just cool. Pete's yeah. handed out uniforms before. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and a great. That's a great you see the way that kids look up and they and it's just something. And now now when you get to the NBA level, these guys have been used to getting bags for a while. But like when it's new and when it's different. And by the way, shout out to our to our boy, Jay, um, for helping design the new Mm -hmm. uh, the new jerseys that you've probably seen on, on the social channels. And like it can be a little bit harder to impress NBA athletes at this point, but they're still kids in that way. And so they get the new they get the box full of new stuff and they get out there and they see the court. And it just signifies, all right, even if this isn't the NBA championship, it's something a little different. And like, let's go ahead and win this thing. And that especially when the other team is feeling that same way. So that's the part that I like the most out of all this. Don't care about the money um, that the players are going to be making a little bit more. Don't care that all of that, all of that kind of stuff It's just like a way to to increase juice a little bit uh, on something and, and, and to compete on something a little bit. And I think that on the one hand for the lakers specifically i'm as as the tone of this podcast has not been the most sunny <laughs> and optimistic i don't think it's the best time for this lakers group to go into a building that's going to be having even a little bit more juice And five of the seven home teams did win um, that in the first in season tournament game. And that to me is where it gets a little bit closer to a playoff structure where fans are a little bit more into it and where the home like juice ends up typically helping the home team a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Mm -hmm. And to me, I if. I think this would be a great time for it to be a home game for the Lakers where they need some of that extra juice. And by the way, they have gotten it. And that's part of the reason why they've won the games at home. It hasn't been because they've been great at executing. They just yeah. kind of found a lineup that worked and played hard yep. and got downhill. Ran the floor. And yep. Ran the floor and like were big with Christian Wood in those lineups and the crowd energy at crypto like helped the team. And in this case, I think that's going to be it's going to be harder to find that. And and therefore, if like if Anthony Davis and the hip, like if he's able to play, that to me is their best way of actually winning the game. But so I'm I hope I'm not contradicting myself in, in talking about the in season tournament. I think for for the league, it's great. I, I've already we've covered that a lot. But for the Lakers tonight, I think it could be actually a, a little bit more of an extra challenge uh, that they're going to have to endure uh, based on the energy that this, it's going to be there for Phoenix.
3: No, I think that's a that's a good point. And I mean, A D playing or not certainly swings my Chance, my belief in our chances of being able to, to win tonight. Uh, I'd love to talk about the game uh, in part because they're the second team that we're playing for the second time. And I think that that's always informative, kind of what that looks like. We lost against Orlando in a blowout the first time that we played a team the second time. Um, and so D last night or the last time we played Phoenix, it was a big old comeback in the fourth quarter with the LeBron. AD Wood lineups and Christian Wood defending Kevin Durant a ton. I think Mike uh, appropriately brought up Bradley Beal's presence as being just kind of another place you can attack from, where the Lakers really zeroed in on KD in that fourth quarter, and we turned them over like nine times and held them to it was eleven points overall, but like four of those were concession buckets at the end, so it was like a, a seven point quarter basically you can't really do that to the same extent when you have another guy like Beale on the floor to focus in on. That said, a lot's going to depend on AD to me. I don't think they have anybody for him uh, on on their roster. Uh And so if he's locked in and with Rui back, especially, I think that this is a team that you got to be taller than. I think we've got to kind of physically overwhelm them. And I think that's just our identity in general. We've talked a lot about like the structure of the offense and all of that. But really my core belief about this team is that they're supposed to be tall and skilled, that it's like Torian Prince is a two on this style of team instead of a three, that type of idea, you know? And so- I think that all of that kind of, you know, coalesced in the Phoenix game last time we played them. So what's your view on a Suns team that's going to have Beal back?
2: More problematic to deal with the Lakers being able to pressure the Suns ball handling and skill level and like their collective passing and ability to read the floor. That was a key ingredient to getting that win it's like the defensive pressure got ratcheted up and the Suns couldn't deal with it necessarily. One of the things that happened too is like Nurkic was in foul trouble. And so they play through him some as like an offensive hub where his passing and playmaking um, helps them a fair amount too, right? And so with him off the court or him not being able to handle AD, they played with Eubanks more, which took another ball handler or like like sort of facilitator off off of the floor and now they just didn't have have enough. And so I'm concerned about how the Lakers are going to defend the Suns when they have now a perimeter player that is going to require as much attention as Bradley Beal is, basically, within the context of, Kevin Durant still there and the I think unlikely nature that the Lakers adjust their starting lineup at all right and so mm-hmm. within the context of this star starting group of um and let's say AD does play I have no idea if if he does if if he doesn't I think the Lakers are in real trouble but let's say that AD does does play um AD's going to be defending the center LeBron's likely then either going to like who's LeBron going to defend? Kevin Durant?
3: They did that a little bit to start last
2: game, right? But yeah. Because that was, Prince. Yeah. Prince is going to guard either Durant or Beal. Mm-hmm. And so if Prince is on Durant, you know who's not going to defend Bradley Beal? LeBron James. <laughs> right? LeBron James. And so right. it's like there's right. this trickle-down effect of, of how do you actually do this? So my concerns actually start defensively even more so than offensively point. like in this game, just because of the tactics that the Lakers are going to need to, to deploy. Now this, like not only is this the second time they're playing them in, in the regular season, but they played them to close out the preseason as well. So in the first, like, month mm. of like nba action this is going to be the third time that they've seen yeah. that the lakers deployed a very similar mm. defensive game plan in the first regular season game that they deployed in the preseason game which is they played a lot of strong side zone they played a lot of like like we're going to show secondary help very early and we're going to try to disrupt passing lanes with with our angles well frank vogel's a pretty good game planning coach We know this because we saw him do it all the way to an NBA championship. And so I'm going to be interested that if the Lakers continue to show them these looks, what kind of adjustments Phoenix has for them and whether or not the Lakers will have enough answers, particularly within the context of AD's availability.
4: So Phoenix has had the same amount if not even a little bit more uh, adversity than the Lakers mm-hmm. so far this season uh, you know Booker's played I think two games Beal just made his debut and Beal and Durant so they they have played only 13 minutes together and I think the Suns out, yeah the Suns outscored the Bulls by 20 um, in those 13 minutes and that's just so that's juice for them coming in but they've also had different guys kind of You know, step in and step up. So Nurkic had 17 rebounds. Uh, Grayson Allen had 26 points in their win at Chicago. And they lose those back to back games against San Antonio and got Wembeat essentially, um, which was super fun and super exciting to watch. But those were both close. Those are both one point games. Um, and then they respond to that. They go on a three game trip and they lost to Philly um, who's playing great right now, but then mm-hmm. responded in, in beating two bad teams, Detroit and Chicago, but bad teams that sort of like play hard at home. Um, and in the way that like, so the Lakers go to Orlando, not a bad team, Houston, not a bad team and lose those games, but aren't competitive in them. And Phoenix now, just like, in just like Orlando loses, to the lakers on the road and gets them at home quickly which i think is an, an advantage as well because yeah. it's just such an easy way to rally around the flag and all that yeah. and to me you guys hit on it a little bit but that that game at crypto when durant was on the floor the the lakers were you know just struggling. And when he was off the floor, they made two big runs uh, first in the first half. And then especially in the fourth quarters. And even when Durant came back in, uh, that was when Christian Wood guarded him for the first time. Right. And they just ran out the rest of the game. And so I think that's another thing that, that they can be ready for uh, to an extent, but Pete to to kick this back to you. We, you spent the whole, the whole pod, right. Talking about the offense. And again, assuming that AD plays, are you actually expecting to see the things uh, in this game that you you and Darius were talking about and if not, then you know how do they end up winning the game regardless?
3: so I think it's a personnel thing where I, I don't think we win the game if if we're a short team. I think that the fact that we had Christian Wood guarding Uh, KD was a big part of why we won that game and the fact that we were taller so that that allowed AD. Here's the the big thing about going bigger is that it frees up AD to be the freaking monster that he can be on the perimeter. Now you can be a monster around the rim too, but not every team, that's not what every team demands, right? Like we were getting our butts kicked because Torian Prince is too short to bother Kevin Durant's jump shot, uh, as is Cam Reddish. I would also argue that Prince is too tall to guard Bradley Beal, um, but he's. It, it, to me, it's a, it's totally a personnel thing where that combination of Wood and AD on the perimeter make because KD came back into that fourth quarter with like nine so you're 30 saying, left.
4: You're, you're saying that Christian Wood would should start, and Th- I mean in, that's yeah, my in belief. Context and if which I agree with, but if, but if we but we don't expect that to be the same. So then what? So, I'm sorry. We don't expect that to switch. We expect we, – I would expect that he's going to start Prince again.
3: I mean I suspect we lose. I suspect we continue for the same thing to happen that's been happening over and over and over again where it's like veering away from the, hey, these guys should be good on the offensive end toward the – these guys actually shouldn't be good on the defensive end. When you've got those three guys, like the, this group is so small, and there's such little physicality provided from the one, two, and three positions defensively that you're asking the world of Anthony Davis. Who, by the way, the Suns have their own issues in that, like I think they're super vulnerable to athletic size. So they're going to get Wembyed. They're going to get Aded. They're Maybe not super athletic, but they're going to get Jokic just like everyone else, right? And so that to me is is part of the reason you know where uh, where the Lakers can attack them and actually get this win, despite all of the circumstances that you're totally accurate about with the the IST and and with the in season tournament and with you know just losing to the Lakers and that adding more juice. At the end of the day, they're going to have to guard Anthony Davis around the basket, which I I think is going to be very difficult for them to do. Anyhow, um, I I think that we're just. We're continuing to see the vulnerabilities of the group that we've that we've been playing. And if nothing else, this early portion of the season, and again, there are some games where we're so small that it's unfair on some level, um, but where we're seeing a big sample of what yeah. the smaller groups look like. And it's not good. Yeah, they just haven't you had know? their guys and the guys that, so
2: the stretch without Rui and Vando and then Hayes being out, and then AD being out, has let mm-hmm. a lot of these, like, totally viable NBA
3: lineups... Right, these, like, you could totally see these groups playing later in the game. Maybe it's not your starting lineup, but it's like, yeah, that group of five on the floor, like, that should be a functional NBA group. LeBron, Wood, Prince, Austin, and D'Lo is a totally viable
2: five, five-man five group. Like, D'Lo, Max, Cam ruey and wood is totally a viable like from a quote-unquote size perspective like none of those dudes are patrick beverly having to play mm-hmm. small forward like these are like right. Dilo's a six five guard right cam is is a six 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 seven yes they're playing like, the positions that they play right. the combination of physical traits is veering too far in one direction and the Lakers are suffering for it. And so we are getting these data samples. The pod we recorded after the Lakers beat the Suns was called spam your advantage. And it's because the Lakers did exactly that. They spammed their size advantage in, in order to dictate the terms of, of engagement and win the game. The Lakers threw eight basketball games have probably dictated the terms of engagement on either side of the ball for of those 32 quarters plus two overtimes, five quarters, four quarters? Yeah. I
3: was gonna say right? five.
2: It's 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 a very small number. And so if they're going to get back on track, they have to play more to the actual identity of the team. And they have not been able to do that yet, as often as they could or should. It's like the time is now, and they're going to continue to fall short either by losing games or by being in games that are incredibly close where they win by two points, three points.
3: And LeBron plays 38 yes. minutes.
2: Yeah, Right. This is the path that the team is on. And if they want to get on a different path, they can control that outside of The injury stuff. Now, if everyone is hurt, they can't. Right? But Rui's back. AD hopefully will be back soon, if not tonight. Jackson Hayes hopefully will be back soon, if not tonight. And it's going to come soon. And they're going to have to decide for themselves.
3: All right, we got to wrap up here. Hopefully, we get a couple wins this weekend. Uh, you know, shift the mood a bit. Or do we play Sunday or is it Monday? Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Hopefully, we get a couple wins this weekend to uh, shift the mood. But yes, angsty times in Lakerland. We'll be back on Monday. Everybody, have a good weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James
2: has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Kips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. Fires again
1: the Lakers win the game, the Lakers win the game. Three seconds left, that next to the winner, it. it's on the way, good! Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the, the move. Score. Two, the one. Missing. It. Unbelievable. the victory. <laughs> it's
0: over.